Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Matt D. Fothery, Lee Boyd, and Rob Beller. Hey, Podcast World. Welcome to another interesting... There you go. Informative. Yeah. Delightful. Yeah. Episode of... FNO Insure Tech. I'm your host, Lee Boyd, <laughs> along with Rob Beller. Look at here that. I am. Here I am. Look I love that. I love when you do the intro. On the fly. On I the love fly. when you I love when you do it on the I love the spontaneous. I love to put you in situations where you have to be spontaneous because it's not really your strongest suit. It's not my favorite. I no. I like to have my routines and I like things in a certain place. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's mm-hmm. not my favorite. I can mm-hmm. do it, mm-hmm. but it's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. And then there's me who never puts anything in the same place twice. So. That's correct. In fact, that's why I have to constantly send you email after email <laughs> because you say, I don't know where that email is. Uh-huh. I said, well, didn't you organize it? No, no, I did not. Why do that when I can have you send it to me again? That's exactly right. Uh-huh. See, we uh-huh. both have uh, the way that we handle things. We do. And here we are. We must be doing something right because we're in the triple digits of episodes. What do you think about that? Think about all the people that we've talked to. Think wow. about every conversation. You know, wow. we were talking earlier in this week of all the people that we know now because of the podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know about our listeners, but I get a ton out of it. I get to learn so much about our industry and and those other industries that are parallel to ours that might not actually intersect. I just learn so much. I just get to learn so much. Mm-hmm. And today's a great example because today we have on Farron Blank, co-founder and CEO at Jerry, yeah. meetjerry.com. And Farron, we met through a special program we did with Kisne about female founders and the next normal. And we were super intrigued by him and super intrigued by his product that he's putting out to market. Big insurance guy from huge insurance background. And we wanted to have him on. Jerry is a very interesting company having to do with elder care services and providing elder care services to this enormous cohort that's out there of baby boomers and above. I think you'll find it very interesting. And if you're in that situation where you need to be uh, interested or informed about it, here's your chance. Yeah. I, you know, Jerry is a mission driven company. It's a, it's a passionate company about what it does and it it believes in helping people and educating people when it comes to uh, long-term care, all the situations. And, and today we're going to get to hear about some of the pivots they've had to take during the, the world of COVID and, and what that was like and how it felt and what the outcome could be. I think it's going to be a great conversation. I agree. So um, instead of you and me talking away, although I kind of like when we talk. Chit-chat, chit-chat. Chit-chat. I like jibber-jabber. Jibber-jabber. I think that's more accurate. Jibber-jabber would imply that it's somewhat meaningless. Let's go to our interview with Farron Blank, co-founder and CEO at Jerry. Hey, everybody. We're here with our guest, a returning personality to the FNO InsurTech airwaves. 
Farron Blank from Jerry. Farron was with us during our special series that we did on The Next Normal, which was kind of a look at all things insured tech, COVID, and even female founders mixed in with Quizney. Yeah. Yeah. And he's back to talk about his primary hustle, and that is Jerry. Welcome back. Good to see Welcome you. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Thanks, Lee. Great to be back. You look well and healthy. And for those listeners, we, we have a video today, so we get to see Farron. Where are you today, Farron? And so, yeah, I'm in Brooklyn. And and finally, after you know the first couple months of quarantine right. where we're just drinking beer and eating as if the world was ending, <laughs> I now started going to the gym and you know getting fresh air. You know? Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. New York went from being like the worst place to be to the best place to be, right? Yeah, I mean, knock on wood. Yeah, it was terrible. I mean, and still, I think the state leads in terms of absolute deaths. But yeah, yeah I think it was such a shock to the system that, you know, knock on wood, it seems like it's under control and, and people, you know, been so scared because I remember back in March, I mean, it was just 24-7, you'd hear ambulances, you know, everyone you talk to would have photos of, oh, yeah, there's an ambulance outside, like taking someone away from the apartment building across the street. So it was absolutely terrible, you know, and then... I mean, and we'll see. I mean, the second order impacts of the city. I mean, the schools are yes. in an absolute nightmare. You know, so a bunch of people on our team who have kids, um, they're struggling to try to figure out how do they educate their kids. Right. The tax base and commercial real estate has probably collapsed. A lot of people have fled, you know, to the suburbs or, or the exterior areas because, frankly, if all the restaurants and the theater and the nightlife <laughs> right. was closed... Why pay outrageous rent to be in a small apartment when you could at least have a yard, you know, right. 40 miles away? So, right. so we'll see how New York weathers it. You know, I'm sure in some amount of time it'll be back ripping and roaring. But, you know, this little dip here has been been interesting for sure. Well, if any place in the world is tough and elastic, it's New York City. So uh, I'm betting on New York City. Yeah. Uh, well, we're thrilled to have you with us today because we got to know you a little bit during our previous podcast about the next normal and super intrigued about Jerry and what you do. And certainly from a COVID perspective, you have a business that could not in any way ignore or work your way around what was going on with COVID. So let's talk about Jerry and let's start by kind of giving us a, a couple of minutes on what the heck is Jerry and, and what do you guys do? Yeah, Jerry, we're a venture-backed company. Started between my co-founder and myself. Uh, fortunate to have great investors like Core Innovation Capital, Sure Ventures, Bessemer, ABC Equal Ventures. And we're focused very much on helping seniors, so everyone above 65, just prosper and flourish on their own terms. So the way we think about that is helping them just, you know, to use an insider term, age, you know, like age, whether it's in place or at a senior living community. We do that through partnering listeners like social workers, licensed practical nurses, and then use data analytics and data science to be able to scale the results and personalize recommendations and come up with a plan of care for seniors. So basically we look at the seniors' emotional cognitive well-being, their financial state, their essentials, you know, the support network in place. And then come up with a personalized plan of care to recommend what actions they should be doing and what solutions do they need, whether that's looking at moving into a community or purchasing insurance coverage. 
So is it more of a educational platform where you're learning about them or is it more of a service platform where you tell them where to go get this information and, and learning? Yeah, it's a great question. We think of ourselves as like an engagement platform. So we want to engage personally with consumers, but do it at scale or users, members at scale. And then we curate a set of partners. So we work with a lot of senior living providers, we work with a lot of in-home care agencies, work with a lot of financial services companies to recommend good solutions, even all the way down from adult daycare to grocery delivery, all the way up to an assisted living community. Is that what mostly brings people to your platform is, hey, my dad needs a place to live. Can you help? Yeah, we're definitely working with a lot of caregivers who are just needing advice or support. But what we've tried to do, which is, I think, a bit different compared to others, is we're focused predominantly on serving that independent senior themselves. Because I think a lot of those solutions, you know, that existed in the marketplace that we saw an opportunity to challenge is the view that, you know, seniors aren't able to or equipped to make the decisions for themselves. Right. So, you know, very paternalistic. Whereas, hey, like you've been on the planet for six decades, seven decades, eight decades. I'm sure you could figure it out. We don't need to, you know, have your kid, you know, trying to force you into a place, a community or buying a new Amazon Alexa or something like that. Right. That's how we've designed our platform is to target predominantly the independent senior and then support the caregiver if they are. Because, again, the caregivers are all at different phases. And what does that mean? Is it? A financial caregiver? Is it emotional caregiver? Or is it someone who's there, you know, cutting food, you know, like right. preparing meals? I mean, whether that's a loved one or someone paid, you know, that means very different things to different people. You know, I generally think that there's two kinds of people in the world when it comes to this, and that's the people who haven't gone through this situation and the people who have. And I'll speak from my own personal experience, several years ago, I went through this situation with my mother. And it wasn't that I wasn't aware of some of the different options out there, but you have no idea where to start. My mom got sick and you're just, it's just you. It's not like you can call this one government agency that lines you all up and and takes you down a path. I was completely lost. I didn't know who to call what exactly my options were. I knew what the options were, but I didn't know where to find them. Who was the best? How do you get a good recommendation? I was lost. Mm -hmm. And so what we ended up doing was, my mom got sick, we ended up bringing her back to her house, trying to have family take care of her, went through that option, then hired in-home care Mm -hmm. to take care of her, which as you know, is extreme, it was cost prohibitive after a while. And then she was finally placed in a care home. And what a journey it was. I I mean, at the end, you're an expert. But at the beginning, it's like standing, looking at the forest and and not knowing where the path is. I mean, you must hear that story again and again. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. First of all, I'm sorry to hear about that, Rob. It's it's similar to my own experience. So my father, um, same thing. It's what I call a DIY, like do it yourself. First of all, you know, it's it's. Maybe you see it coming, maybe you don't, you know, maybe you have a plan, maybe you don't. But as a family, you're probably ostriching, you know, like you have your head in the sand, you know, worried about your kids, your career, your life, your dependency, your goals. And then all of a sudden, if a loved one loses their independence, it starts this race. And then to your point, 
you think it's a race or the family often thinks it's a race. You know, we just got to, you know, Humpty Dumpty's fall and let's patch them up as quickly as possible and then we can continue. But it's not. It's a marathon. You know, it's correct. a marathon. Correct. And, and yeah, that was kind of our experience. So my experience, I remember clear as day, my mom called me. My mom texted me. Uh, I was living in St. Louis at the time working at Reinsurance Group of America, a life and health reinsurer. And I just happened to be in Toronto because I was flying to Korea, you know, two days later to go for a business trip for a week. My mom texted me. She's like, hey, can you come home like in Toronto? And I was working downtown. I'm like, why? I'm like, dad's gone missing. And he took the car. And so, wow. you know, I go back. Wow. He took the car. And at first I, I go home and I'm just sitting there. And I'm like, oh, it'll be fine. Dad'll be there in an hour. And my mom's like, oh, I don't know. Like, should we call the police? And I'm like, no, no, no. You definitely can't call the police. Right. Like you have to wait right. 24 hours, right. for, like the police TV shows or whatever. And then probably after another like awkward hour of like sitting around doing nothing, you know, I just Google, should you call the police to someone missing? And then the first result is call the police. If anyone is ever missing for any reason, doesn't matter at the time, call them. And so we call the police. They were able to ping the direction of travel on his cell phone. Like he had a cell phone, luckily, but he wasn't picking it up. He's just driving. And he ended up driving eight hours until the car ran out of gas um, wow. and was in Quebec. That night, we didn't know that, but he was traveling east. So I was just like, okay, mom, I'm just going to get in the car, drive east. And I'm either going to stay at my sister's house in Ottawa, the country's capital, or one of my best friend's place in Montreal. And then I'll be closer, you know, like I'll be four hours or five hours closer, assuming he hasn't doubled back. And as I'm driving, get a call from provincial police they had found him. He was two hours north of Montreal. So I stay at my friend's place. We got my wife to buy my mom a plane ticket that next morning because we'll now have two cars. You know, so she flies right. the first thing that morning uh, to Montreal. We go into the hospital to pick up my dad because they just brought him over overnight, you know, the emergency room. And he just smiles at us and says, what are you guys doing here? As if like nothing had happened. And then I think that's when we're just like, oh, geez, like mom, yeah, like things. And that was kind of that light bulb moment where it's like, yes. that's, you know, the starting gun in this race that we thought was a sprint. And, and yeah, the problem was we did take it as a sprint. Like my mom ended up sell. I bought her a condo in downtown Toronto so she could be closer to work. So she wouldn't have to spend so much time commuting. And then she ended up selling her house in the suburbs, but she ended up selling it privately to a neighbor's cousin without an appraisal just because she wanted the transaction done. Right. Yeah. And, and just all these like catalog of errors. And then we tried a family friend who would take him to adult daycares, but the family friend didn't speak English. Well, right. Like he was an immigrant and you know, we pay him under the table or whatever, just like out of pocket, yeah. but again, he's not getting that mental stimulation. And then we tried to get government support. And then ultimately it just became too much that we had to move into a memory care community. And yeah, it's just, I mean, it's not classic, but it's similar. So many families are just lost. And, and along the way, each step, there's no information. And frankly, there's people who have different interests, right? Like they're yeah. predators, you know, some, right. of them, like Correct. some of the communities we call and go, oh, we have a room, but it's only available this weekend, you know, so you have to put the deposit down right now as if, you know, it's a used car or something. It's right. Like, buy the place. It's like, well, this is the place where my dad's going to spend the rest of his life. Like, let's think about it, you know, because it's not just the financial, but it's also all the emotional guilt and grief that you're dealing with. 
And so, yeah, it's a very lonely, isolating time. You know, so that's kind of all the impetus. So my co-founder and I, Ajay, he he had previously been the co-founder of Tala, a micro lending startup that, you know, based in LA, that's raised like a couple hundred million dollars providing micro loans to people just using the information on their cell phone in emerging markets. And then after that, he worked with AARP. And so while we were jamming on some ideas, we were just like, look, like so many families are in this space. It's such a huge category. I think if we think about data in a different way, can we build a solution that helps families um, and just protects their interests? Um, and hence, you know, a couple months later, we came up with a concept around Jerry. I love that. One of your main things that it appears that you do is help individuals find the facility to put their loved ones in. And it seems like you were able to give them kind of maybe rank them and say, this is the best one for you. How is it you you use the data to come up with those out of the tens of thousands of facilities other than just saying, well, this one's close to you? What all data is being put into this algorithm to help us make that decision? Yeah, so we have 40,000 communities, 20,000 in-home care agencies, 800 adult daycares, and then I think I don't even know the number of pharmacies, grocery stores, et cetera, but very much at like a zip code basis across the country. And then on each of those facilities or communities or service providers, we have a bunch of different variables. So on, you know, your question, Lee, around senior living communities, we have floor plans, average room rates, occupancy, whether they accept pets, you know, all of those different factors. And then when we work with the family, what we do is we pair them with, you know, what we call advocates or, or coaches or listeners. Those are just all licensed social workers or, or licensed practical nurses that listen to their, their needs, you know, is able to draw what's really important so that, yeah, you know, a community might be half a mile or two miles away from your house, but, you know, one that is more of a fit for your lifestyle, what you're looking for. You know, if you're not, you know, if you don't have a cognitive impairment, maybe a memory care or community with a lot of memory care residents might not be the best fit, you know, or right. if you're a veteran, you might want to be closer with other veterans, you know, for example. And so being able to personalize that match and curate that down to like two or three options. And so, yeah, that's what we've been doing for the assisted living placements. I think that's wonderful. I'm just thinking of all the options out there and all the different needs, but to be able to have a location where you can actually find that match. Whenever you're dealing with partners, what about the in-home care? Is that something uh, you've talked about? How do you screen those partners and how do you make sure that it's the right fit and the right person for that individual? Let me just jump in before you answer that question. We had a lot of experience with that. And guess what? As you know, there's good ones and bad ones. Mm -hmm. There's people that are helpful and there's people who are takers and take advantage. That's a tough, that's a great question, Lee. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I started the easiest example to think through is, a, is it an assisted living or memory care community, right? Because it's a legal entity. It's a building. You know, there's physical, you know. So the environment shapes a lot of the, the care delivery, right? But to your point, in-home care is very, very variable because it's being delivered typically by, you know, someone who's making 10 to $15 an hour. Yeah. And even if they work at care agency X, they might also work at care agency Y and Z to get extra hours to fill their schedule because for them, 
you know, they need 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, you know, to be able to cover it. Whereas if a care agency is only able to provide them 10 hours or 20 hours because of their client load. And so that's the challenge. What we do, you know, and it's not as elegant a solution is we work at the, the care agency side and we really focus on very specific territories and can we bring adequate density. So we're not like a lead generator, where it's just like, oh, here's the yellow page listing of all you know care agencies, but we really have to like interview the service provider, understand you know their their staffing, you know get references, and then also look at you know their business history and whether they have any history of insolvencies, any liens, any judgments, and that's some of the the variables that we look into before we kick off the the diligence process, and then we have a, a frequency around updating that. I see. I would assume that you're able to take customer feedback as well. Yeah. Whenever you recommend somebody, maybe you send out surveys uh, and, and get that. Throughout all this, I keep thinking, how does Jerry make money? Where does that come from? Yeah, we're a nonprofit. <laughs> no, <I'm laughs> a venture back nonprofit. Um, yeah. I think those days are gone after. Yeah, we- that would be an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. I think we work grounded for the entire community or whatever. So what we do is we work with partners and we get affiliate or commissions. Oh, okay. From the from the communities at a partnership level, you know. So, I see. So we're not incentivizing our and you know care advocates, but we know. And again, how we've tried to construct, I think, similar to to your business, how we try to construct our network. You know, is very much focused on can we be a meaningful partner to a smaller number of high quality operators and then figure out, you know, a financial partnership that works that also, you know, in some cases reduces the cost for the, the user as well, you know, the out-of-pocket expenses. So do you create arrangements with different organizations specifically so you might be able to get a better rate? Is that the case? Yeah, exactly. You know, for a lot of the services, depending on margins, et cetera, and the the product type, we're able to to negotiate rates or, and at the absolute minimum, be able to call a bluff when they say, oh, look, I only have one room available or this is going to be gone this weekend. You know, so, well, okay, it's fine. Like, let's wait this weekend and see what happens right now, especially, again, on the senior living community side, occupancy is at an all-time low. Let's go there. And yeah. I know the answer to that question, but let's talk about COVID. There's probably been no bigger tsunami in your world and the world of senior care ever mm-hmm. than COVID. So talk about how that's affected the industry. We talked about it some when we did the previous podcast, but and I'm sure it's evolved since then. Mm-hmm. Because the, the interesting thing is, is that regardless of COVID, you still have this enormous need the demand doesn't go away. You yeah. just have to deal with this crisis in the midst of the demand. So to talk about that for a minute. If you talk in averages, the challenge is, you know, it's one of those things where the average might be fine, but then your head is freezing and, you're cold and your, your toes are on fire, right? Like if you're camping. But what I would say is some of our community partners are reporting increases in occupancy or huge amount of demand, right? Because, because of their unique nature, you know, or their experience or their product or their brand. But in general, I'd say the bulk of the majority is that, again, a lot of places had move-in restrictions, so they were not admitting new residents, you know, obviously because you didn't know if the new resident would be 
you know, asymptomatic or infectious. And if those places, you know, if one person gets in and infects a staff member, you know, as we saw, it's, it's not very highly infectious, but very, very lethal, you know, particularly for people in their 60s, 70s, 80s. And especially as you go up each decade, you know, it jumps dramatically. Um, so there were a lot of move-in restrictions, number one. And then there was a lot of family resistance, number two. And that just resulted in this tsunami of really low occupancy and then a lot of move-outs. So again, if people, again, this is kind of the, the DIY fire analogy. Oh, it's COVID. It's only going to be two months. It'll only be two weeks. Let's move them out. You move them out, then you can't move them back in, and then you have an empty room. But then you have, you know, mom or grandpa living, you know, in your den for mm-hmm. going on now three months, four months, six months. Um, so I think those are kind of all those factors, you know, that it contributed, and also construction. So the the senior living industry was growing about two percent, three percent every quarter um, in wow. terms of available units, prepping for you know the pending baby boomer you know, population, you know, which is coming in the next five, seven years. And so they figured, look, a bunch of people are going to need senior living. So let's build demand where we think it's going to be. But as those communities come online, that's the exact time when people do not want to leave their house. And so now we're seeing massive rationalization in portfolios. So a lot of partners are selling, you know, underperforming assets, um, A, to raise capital and survive and shore up their balance sheet. And then also to to just unload what they can. So should we be talking about buying a care home now? Is now the time <laughs> to get in? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on your time horizon. <laughs> that was one of the businesses, you know, Ajin and I looked at, you know, before we, we came on Jerry, you know, which is more of a, a software and engagement play um, and data play. I think the cash flow is there. And then if you can get the financials, because it is, it's a real estate play, right? Like, right. I mean, there's cap rates and all this stuff like to be able to be an efficient operator there. But the challenge will be, you know, market demand, right? And so what does that look like going forward? You know, we're not sure. For Jerry, has COVID been, I could see it being a bust or a boom for you guys. I mean, maybe people need you more than ever. What has been the effect on your company? Yeah, no, great question. I mean, candidly, it was a big gut punch, you know, like it was a, you know, Mike Tyson punching us in the gut. We are very much, we are a single product company for the first, you know, for our entire inception. We were doing well. We had some good traction or good signs of life. Focused on, again, just senior living placements. And we always knew that we wanted to, to focus on aging at home, but we always figured that would be after this series A or B, you know, like we raised a very healthy series C and great to have all our investors on board. And, you know, as we chatted through how we think about the evolution of our business, you know, this was a year ago or two, we always thought, yeah, we'll do in-home care and aging in place after the series A, just given a lot of the challenges we talked about of like being able to really evaluate in-home care agencies, et cetera, et cetera, right? And some of, frankly, the margin you know, that's available. When COVID hit, really, yeah, punched us, knocked us down, but it, we had to get back up and we got back up thinking about, okay, let's just accelerate our roadmap. And we've now launched a, an in-home care product, a direct-to-consumer subscription, where we charge people between 40 and $80 a month. And we pair them with our social workers and our LPNs to just help them think through, you know, four elements. So the first element is essential services, so grocery prescriptions, et cetera, et cetera, tech support. So being able to hop on a 
a go-to meeting or, or a Zoom to go to church or see your grandkids. The third is around health and fitness. And then the fourth and final one that kind of popped up by demand was financial well-being. So a lot of people are looking at life insurance, frankly, and, and health insurance. And so we used the kind of the same methodology, the same interviewing, the same plan of care, but rather than just focused on a very nice and neat and clean recommendation on a community, it's now, okay, what does a roadmap look like for 18, 24 months? And how do we build a recurring relationship with that senior? Mm -hmm. So this wasn't a gradual pivot that you guys had to you know, think about and consider and you saw it you know, off in the distance. This was thrust upon you. Boom. Like you said, a gut punch. Yeah, exactly. It was unfortunately, you know, February was looking good. We were about to have a board meeting to really step on the gas, you know, or, or lay out scenarios to step on the gas, you know, really ramp up hiring, et cetera, because some of the, the placement stuff was working. We're like, oh, we might even raise a Series A earlier, you know, all these things. And then March hit and we're just like, oh, gosh, what's happening? And then in April, actually, on the personal side, my dad ended up passing away. He, he got sorry. COVID. Um, so on top of dealing with that, it was just, you know, the realization that this thing is going to be with us for, let's call it another year at a minimum. And so let's really just, you know, on the fly, you know, not that any startup is, you know, building, you know, the engine or the parachute while you're jumping off the cliff. But this is now, OK, building the engine. But we have now no new plan. Like the the blueprints we had are, are no longer valid. Let's come up with some new ones. And I've been really proud of the team, you know, that's just rallied, you know, like fantastic to persevere kind of circles back to the beginning and that is is that wh where do you go so what you're doing is you're providing that answer here is a resource to help you with resources here's a resource to help you with direction yes yeah yeah exactly uh, so let's talk for a second about insurance i mean you're an insurance guy you have a long and varied history in insurance kind of i don't want to say all over the place but a number of different interesting things, life insurance, reinsurance. Talk about insurance and Jerry. So in our, what we're calling Jerry Care, aging in home, you know, solution, we're, we're serving thousands of clients right now. And a large percentage of them are asking about final expense insurance, you know? Yeah. So, so we're actually in the process of, you know, right now we have a partnership with a, with a couple of brokers, but we're actually in the process of becoming a broker to better integrate with carriers to service final expense needs, you know, final protection for whole of life for, you know, our thousands of customers that, you know, we think are members and we think we can grow. So, so that's the most tactical, big picture, particularly this age group, you know, everyone 65 plus, I think has largely been ignored by the insurance industry, right? Even what I'm seeing, like as an insurance person, Final expense products, like as whole of life, very, very expensive. Right. And then even just some of the benefits are great. The living benefit products that people really need, whether it's like disability or long-term care insurance, so like largely are either prohibitively expensive or have very onerous underwriting requirements. And again, as an insurance person, I get why you need really strong underwriting. But the challenge is as you amp up that underwriting, you're probably almost perversely increasing the selection bias, right? Because if the product is so hard to sell, so hard to understand, then your distribution won't be able to sell it accurately, want to even bring it up. 
And then if your sales process takes two months, three months, four months, the focus and the attribution, like the focus of the consumer to actually complete the transaction is really difficult. And then you're left with just a very high risk pool. So I think all of that stuff, you know, is really challenging, a huge opportunity for carriers to just think through. These people do have money and do realize that they do value insurance, right? Like it's not like millennials are like, I don't like insurance. The consciousness of insurance, right? There's a direct correlation between as you get older and the consciousness of insurance because it becomes more and more, hey, this is a big help to my potential help to my life as opposed to the younger you are, you know, it's, yeah. it's who knows. In my own personal case, my mom had a long-term care policy. 100% made all the difference, mm-hmm. all the difference. We were able to put her in a really wonderful home environment that she thrived in and she really enjoyed. And people don't, I think, fully appreciate how disruptive it is to move your parent into one of these homes. They don't usually say, sure, I'll go. That was my mom. My mom's like, are you kidding me? No way. And so because of the long-term care policy, which my mom took out and my mom had, and she got when she was like 40 or something, there was a lot of money there to take care of it. So it's, it's a critical thing. Yeah, that's great. I mean, and it's great because, yeah, the challenges we've probably seen long-term care insurance, I think is great, but a lot of the early products were just mispriced, obviously, like were poorly priced because there wasn't enough data. And then you were buying credit risk, right? There were a solvency risk on the carrier, you know, to hope that they'd stay in shape or stay in business to pay out their claims. So, so yeah, that's a great experience. But I think, yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, COVID just illustrated more people need or the, the industry needs to rethink. When you consider, like you said, the size of the market, of the baby boom market, and the wealth of the baby boom market, you're talking about an enormous market that can afford product. I'm sure that we're not (laughs) the only people who've thought about this. Yeah, I mean, no, definitely. I think more people need to come at it. I think the challenge is... You know, and that's how we're, that's why, you know, I start by saying we are a data company. The challenge is there's just not that much data. The thing we really want to be able to do is collect enough, like, frankly, incidents or claims, you know, to be able to, to design a, a living benefit product that can work, right? Like a long-term care product. Because also, you know, long-term care, it's almost the worst of all worlds of insurance, you know, like it's heavily inflation prone, you know, huge asymmetric risk profile, huge anti-selection problems. And then the problem is it's not predictable, right? Like it's a huge long tail, you know, like mm-hmm. people might be on this. And so, yeah, you have capped benefits, et cetera. But mm-hmm. then you have also this negative PR issue of, wait, you're rejecting my mom's claim. Like, look at her, you know? Oh, no, your mom's fine. It's like, what are you talking about? So here we are. And who knows where we are vis-a-vis COVID in the future, but the future is uncertain. So that means you're you're you work in an uncertain world. I guess ultimately we all do, but yours maybe more so or more straightforward. What do you see for the future, Jerry? Where do you go from here? Yeah, I mean, what we're really excited about, you know, which I think keeps all of us excited is I mean, yeah, we were chatting before about the fires and a bunch of our clients have made our employees their emergency contacts, right? Just because, you know, like we have a client out in Oregon who did that and it's like, wow, that's that's great. You know, so that's like on the personal side, really interesting. So so what excites us is how can we try to scale that out, you know, to to the millions of, of seniors that, you know, are independent. They still have loved ones, but they don't really want a burden, 
you know, their loved ones with helping them set up Zooms or helping them set up, you know, Instacart deliveries or having them chat through, you know, advanced directives with Hobbs attorney. Right. So I think that's where, you know, we see this huge opportunity in terms of how can we help more seniors just thrive or age on their own terms, right? And and be able to have accountability and access to the best solutions like service providers as they age. That's what I think we see, you know, happening. And it's probably a blend of both life insurance and health insurance to be able to afford that because unfortunately government debt has, you know, ballooned. Pension funds are insolvent. You know, interest rates are at zero. So so I don't even know where pension funds are going to be able to make up yield. So I think it's mm-hmm. going to have to be, you know, the traditional social safety networks are gone. And so I think it's going to be private market solutions, you know, to individuals. So coming up with a better plan, I think that's what we probably have to do because the government printing money, like, I just don't know if that... Bad. That will work. Bad. You know, the way that I look at it and the way I look at your business is there's almost too many opportunities. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's days where you, where you feel that way. There's probably days where you don't, but there's days where you feel like, which of these golden opportunities should we be focused on? But we're really grateful that you came and shared with us when, like I said, when we met you originally, we were super intrigued by what you do. And for myself, as we discussed, having the personal experience with it made it even more so interesting. And so thanks for your time. Appreciate having you. We lost Lee. Lee had a technical issue, so he says goodbye. But thanks for being with us. And let's have you on again down the road and hear what's happening with Jerry. It's a dynamic time. No, definitely. Well, thanks, Rob. Thanks, Lee. Hey, Lee, I really wanted to have Farron on, honestly, because of my own personal experience with going through this and how interested I am from personal experience in solutions around, you know, the personal experience that I had. Right. And I see it as, you know, we talk so often about problem solving and is your technology solving a problem? And so that's why, you know, I thought we should have them on to talk about it. Well, I'm glad we did. And he is one of those people that I remember from a couple of years ago seeing speak at at Intratech. And when he spoke, I thought, wow, that's really interesting that he's coming into this space because I don't know a lot about it. And I know a lot of people don't know about it. And then whenever they do need to learn, it's so it's such a rapid. Uh, we often talk about drinking out of a fire hose. That's what it is. You just right. you just don't know. And it he, he's really solving the need. Uh, and even off the line, I was telling Al, Al and Alicia, just a nice guy. Just a oh, great just, guy. You know, he has a great mission. And whenever you start a company with a story like he has, I mean, he's really out to to help people get better in life. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I think he's a great guy. I think he has a great company on a great mission. And I think that it has a big, big future. Yeah. And, and I think that in the long run, I think they'll look back at COVID as a good thing. Not good on a societal level, but for their business that it has obviously impacted them in a difficult way. I appreciate that, but that it gives them tremendous opportunities and new focus going forward. It's certainly going to redefine the elder care world for years to come. Wouldn't you agree? I would. I would. And like, like you said, there are so many new facilities being built right now. I know in Waco there's three or four new facilities, and it's all in preparation for the baby boomer generation. 
that so many people are going to need facilities. As they get older, people are living longer. They're going to need places. They're going to need in-home care. And they need a resource that they can go to and trust. And Jerry is a great place. It seems like it's going to be a great place for to help people better the situations for their loved ones. Right. And if you're out there and you're one of those people who find themselves in their situation with uh, themselves or their parents, you can go to meetjerry, M-E-E-T-G-E-R-R-Y.com. And they have tons of resources on there. And we thank Farron so much for being with us. And thank you, as always, for being with us. We are always thrilled to do this and always thrilled to share it with you. And so thanks again. And until next time. Goodbye, everybody.